Hello there. Thank you for listening to our Ask Qubit About Analytics podcast. Our goal is to cut through the jargon and hype around analytics and data science and share practical advice to guide you on your analytics journey. You can find us at qubit.com. That's Q-U-E-B-I-T.com. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's Ask Qubit About Analytics podcast. This is A.G. Tan. I'm sitting here today with Gary Quirk, who's a chartered accountant, CEO, and co-founder of Qubit. Gary has a history um, in finance and accounting before he became an entrepreneur and started Qubit. Gary did the day-to-day planning, forecasting, budgeting in, um, in several companies. Um, and knows that um, field inside out. And, uh, and so we'd like to hear a little bit about how you view planning and forecasting, its history and where it is today, Gary. AG, nice to be here. Um, it's interesting, you know, 25 plus years working in this field, you know, looking at companies today, there's still a lot of things that were going on 25 years ago that companies are still doing today. Um, I would sort of, you know, generally refer to this as sort of traditional approach to planning and forecasting. And it tends to be something that is based on sort of methodologies of working that sort of evolve. Everyone you know, tends to sort of follow the same sort of approach. And, it, and in some ways it tends to be rather simplistic. It tends to be at a, at a higher level of detail um, because there's the thought process that the more, more, more detail you have, the more effort there is involved in it, and sometimes the, the additional effort is not worth you know, the, the, the time and trouble because it's, you know, it requires a lot more human, human time. Um, the problem with a high level of detail is it sort of disguises, right? You get the good and the bad and they add up to the okay, so you kind of forecast and plan on sort of the okay basis or, the, or what appears to be a trend, whereas, you know, the trend only exists at the sort of like the summary level. At the individual level, um, it actually, you know, they're, they're, it tells a different story. So in other words, if you look at the greatest opportunity, the greatest risk, you're kind of like missing, you know, that, that, those, those things. Um, the second thing is that sort of from a kind of a, a mathematics algorithm sort of standpoint, uh, traditional forecasting planning is tend to be rather simplistic. E- even when they use sort of modeling, it tends to be more linear based modeling. And, um, you know, the, the, ch- the challenge with linear modeling is that sort of it, it assumes that, you know, the thing that you're forecasting, whether it be sales or revenue expenses, there's some kind of like, you know, trend that sort of, you know, continues into the future. And what it's not really doing uh, is actually it's not relating those trends to the cause, the real causal factors, you know, behind behind the, the, the actual um, forecasts and plans. And that brings to the, the, the last point is that even where, you know, traditional processes have evolved to use things like driver-based planning, there tends to be sort of a simplistic approach to this. So, for example, they might look at all the expense categories and say all of these, you know, 20% of them are variable to revenue or, you know, uh, there's, you know, 40% of them are related to headcount. And, you know, that's easy, right? That's easy to implement and it sort of, to an extent, may make some sort of intuitive logic that that's the case. But 
you know, when you actually examine it from an advanced analytics standpoint, the actual results are rather flawed, right? So these kind of methodologies become part of the process and there's sort of a thought that they're intelligent, but actually when the rubber meets the road and, and performance opportunities are missed or the, the, the reverse, you know, the downsides are missed, that's where these sort of simplistic methodologies start to fall apart. And if you think about it, Finance plays a really important role in the whole strategic strategic financial management process. You know, m most strategies are reflected at some level in terms of income statements, balance sheets, cash flows. It's finance that's doing that stuff. So if you think about it, if you know, including in those strategic plans is sort of all these sort of simplistic approaches to planning and forecasting at some level. So if they're actually inherently flawed, that is actually translating into the, the strategies of the company as well. Whereas perhaps if they were actually able to actually adopt the more advanced algorithms that are actually available today, those plans and forecasts and then subsequently the strategies can be far more accurate and then companies can take better advantage of the opportunity and they can avoid you know, a lot of the downside risks. So, so just, um, just to challenge you a little bit, right? You know, um, so when you said that traditional forecasting, which, you know, let, let's, be, let, let's be honest, right, is mostly happening in, in a spreadsheet in, in Microsoft Excel today. So, so when you're talking about traditional forecasting and planning being too simplistic, right, and, and not going down to a low, low enough level of detail, um, that could cause people to think, well, no, you know, I, I build very detailed spreadsheet models. And as a consultant myself, I have often told, you know, customers that there is an 80-20 rule here. There is a level of additional detail that's not necessarily going to give you a better result, right? So, so in some ways, when you talk about um, traditional forecasting being too simplistic, it's almost like you're throwing down the gauntlet to all these people who are going to go back and try to build ever more complex Excel spreadsheets to make up for that deficiency, you know, perhaps not really thinking about, you know, that additional Excel detail is not necessarily going to get them a level of accuracy that the effort warrants right you know so, so that's not what you're saying here right no I mean the idea here is that I mean everything you talked about there is really about who's the who's the key driver of the effort behind putting those things together it's the human right humans have only got so much capacity that you know they've only got so much capacity to actually look at look at numbers look at plans look at forecasts and then to interact with them right yeah, sure, they could actually go down to a lower level of detail of product, for example, but at some level, they can only deal with so much of that stuff, right? Let's say you're an organization that's a retail company and you have 25,000 SKUs that you're selling, right? Um, no human has the capacity to do 25,000, right? A machine, on the other hand, does have the capacity to look at the 25,000. So, you know, the reason why the spreadsheet uh, sort of become sort of like still the standard around which these things are done is because it's sort of a tool that users, humans are able to interact with, right? And it's and it the, the level of detail that a spreadsheet is actually able to to actually handle happens to match the level of detail that a human can actually you know attain to, right? It's it, it the spreadsheet's limiting factor 
actually happens to correspond with the human's limiting factor, right? So it's sort of, in some ways, because the spreadsheet still today is the predominant tool for planning and forecasting, um, it's not a surprise that the limitation of the spreadsheet is the thing that is actually finding its way into these processes and it's that in itself is what's, what's making it simplistic, right? Um, that's not to say that these spreadsheets aren't extremely complicated because they are. Right. And, um, but there is a better way. You right. Know? And right. That, that, that's the point. There's a better way. Right, right, right. So you're not saying that, you know, spreadsheet models are, you know, bad. I mean, it's better to have a decent spreadsheet model than no model at all. I think what I hear you saying is that we now have tools and technologies available to us today that enable us to then go beyond it, right? Yes, I, I, absolutely. I, I think it's this idea of like, you know, when something comes from its origin, if, 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 you, if you go back to the origin of the spreadsheet, it wasn't much before that where the idea that we would even do things at a multi-dimensional level, you know, was really not sort of something that we even conceived as possible, you know. It wasn't that long ago where, you know, the information coming out of the accounting system was like really simplistic. At best, it may have been account by entity, you know, sort of, you know, by time. And that was kind of like the, the extent to which the analyses were available. Now we're looking at by product, by customer, by channel, you know, and so on and so forth. And it, it's the world of data is much larger and much more complicated. But the actual processes that finances tend to adopt are still very similar to ones they were using when the spreadsheet first emerged. So they haven't actually evolved that much. That's a really good point. So Gary, could you could you elaborate a little bit more on that? So we're talking about level of detail, right? So I'm not just talking about the the depth of detail, like more products. I'm also talking about the breadth, right? So for example, for individual product, you know, it's, it's, it's competitive uh, factors in the marketplace, you know, local GDP, macro, microeconomics, demographic, you know, uh, factors and so on. You know, on an individual level, humans would naturally want to look at these things. They want to get great levels of accuracy. But the challenge is if you're trying to do that systematically across the whole, the whole plan, it becomes practically you know, difficult to do, if not impossible. And this is where sort of machine algorithms can really help the process. They make it a lot more efficient. So, you know, in no way do I want to imply that um, these processes that are perhaps more simplistic are not intelligent. It's just that the practicalities of the level of detail required to get the accuracy is just beyond you know, normal you know, human process capability. And this is where you know, the unison of, of the machine to do you know, the crunching of the information at, at the low levels of detail, both you know, vertically and horizontally, is really going to you know, augment the process overall and make it far more accurate. So, so maybe to paraphrase that in, in terms that, you know, don't make my head hurt, because you're kind of making my head hurt here, is, you know, if I need to try and think about things in, in two dimensions, say, you know, like time and product, you know, let's say I'm talking about sales, that I can picture in my head and I'm comfortable with it, right? If I then want to think about that same data in terms of time and product and region, okay, I, I think I can still do it. Once I go to time and product and region and channel and local demographics 
and local GDP and changing currency rates and weather patterns. At this point, my brain can't absorb all the data, even though I can still talk about it logically, right? Yeah, and, you, and I'm sure you could pick one example to try to post-explain an observation of a, of a performance, and you can try and gather this information, you can put it into your spreadsheet, and you can then make sense of it. But how are you gonna do that every day, every week, every month for everything in your business. Right. Practically, it becomes impossible. Right. Um, this is where leveraging machine algorithms can really help augment the process. So Gary, everything you've been saying is, is really interesting, but, but I, I, I think perhaps a little bit daunting as well. You know, it's, it's not that finance isn't complicated enough as it is. It's not that it isn't hard enough to pull together a, a budget every year or a forecast every month or quarter. Um, so, so what practical advice would you have for, you know, finance departments in, in, in really trying to, to explore this new world? Well, if you think about it, it um, there are three sort of areas of skill that one needs to sort of do this in an effective way. The first one is understanding the business problem. And finance, in my opinion, always understand the business problem. Finance understands how the business tick. That is something that's natural, native to finance. So, so, that, so that's already covered, in, in my opinion. The second skill set relates to around the management of data. Because we're not just talking about finance data here, we're talking about operations data, perhaps external data, causal factors of various kinds. And the good news is that, you know, particularly perhaps in the younger members of the team, the ability to handle data at scale and different types of data is becoming much more a pervasive skill set. And that's something which, you know, perhaps there are folks now today who may be, you know, within the junior ranks of the team, but actually are very adept at managing data. And the third skill set, you know, you need some basic fundamentals in data science. And again, I look towards the younger members of the team because I look at university you know, courses today and I'm seeing more and more and more occurrences of actually you know, AI machine learning you know, as part of the curriculum, right? So folks coming out of university today, they've got some grounding in this. They, they, they've worked with R, they've worked with, with Python, they've actually, they understand the basics of it. Um, and obviously, you know, um, if you work with, with organizations like Qubit, who actually have a, a deep expertise in this area, there's a, there's a much greater propensity to actually transfer that knowledge into the organization much more easily. So while it may seem daunting, you know, I think most finance organizations are already on the pathway. They already have it there. They just need the confidence to realize it. And, and some of us who are no longer millennials um, might also have some data skills too, right? Absolutely. I mean, let's be honest, right? Anyone who actually worked with a spreadsheet of any kind, you, you're, still, you're still manipulating data, right? Just that the, the, the tools today are actually just better at doing this, right? right? There's a lot of these tools out there. But at the end of the day, it's, 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 it follows sort of like, you know, common themes about how we manage certain types of data. Um, the good thing is that the tools today can actually handle huge amounts of data in a very, very effective way. And it's the same thing in terms of the, the idea of data science. There's a lot of algorithms out there. There's a lot of you know, tools and, and, and so on. There's perhaps a lot to learn, but there are actually things which 
people have a good grounding of this, you know, particularly again, you know, I don't want to sort of just exclusively focus towards the younger folks, but, you know, more naturally today, folks coming out of university, they've seen this stuff, they've worked it, it's, it's, not, it's not new to them, it's, it's an understanding they can very rapidly get up to speed, particularly if they're working with an organisation who can actually help transfer that knowledge and actually accelerate it. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, um, you know, one of the things that I find really fascinating about about studying business and, and finance is, is the fact that it is so inherently a human activity. You know, business models, business strategy changes all the time. That's why Excel is so pervasive, right? Because your IT department can never kind of create new systems to accommodate new business models as quickly as humans can dream them up. So Excel will always have its place. So we're not talking about getting rid of Excel or getting rid of people. Um, what we're talking about is, is using machines and algorithms to make what people do even better. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I think you know, there's a lot of studies on this that humans are just naturally better at certain types of, of thought process than machines. And, and the idea of you know, artificial intelligence, in my opinion, is something of a pipe dream, you know, certainly within my lifetime, right? But the idea of using machines to augment, you know, human decision-making and intelligence is something which is here today. And we're just talking about leveraging that to make better decisions for your organizations. Thank you, Gary. Great conversation. Thank you. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. We would love to hear from you. Do you have anything you would like to ask Qubit about analytics? You can tweet us at AskQubit or email us at info at qubit.com. That's info at qubit.com. Until next time.